This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, perma student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to another episode of the Food Factor Podcast, the show where we talk about the intricacies of health, wellness, and our mindset, and all about the human body and how things work. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, and I could not believe that I did not, I have not done an episode yet on this topic because it is something that I feel like I talk about all the time. But when I went back and looked, I'm like, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast. And that topic is the all or nothing mentality when it comes to anything really, nutrition or exercise. You'll notice this, if if this is you, it, you might say to yourself, ugh, I only have time for 10 minutes of, of exercise. That's not even worth it. I'm not even going to do it. It's either you're all in for two hours of exercise or you do nothing at all. Or on the flip side, you're, you might say like, well, I already had a donut this morning at that meeting, so I might as well just have a bunch of sugar the rest of the day. It's like you're either all in on your nutrition or you are all out. <laughs> it's like the all or nothing mentality. And to some degree, I feel like most people have some of this in their mindset. In some way, it might show up in some way in your life. But today we're specifically talking about when it comes to your nutrition and a little bit of your fitness um, and just your health in general and how having that mentality may be the thing that is preventing you from actually achieving good health, but also achieving some of your goals. Now, I have a bunch of of little bullet points here that when I sat down and I'm like, I'm just going to bullet point out the things that I come across a lot when I'm talking to clients and I'm talking with with, uh, athletes and I'm talking with people the things that usually surface. I have a couple of bullet points that resonate with most of them, so they might resonate with you. But before I do that, I wanna talk to you about where the all or nothing mentality might be good. Is there a location or a time frame where that all or nothing mentality might be good? The only thing that comes to my mind is if somebody has an allergy, <laughs> it's like you don't want to be all, you you want to go ahead and be nothing with that. You don't want to be like eating eggs and then go into anaphylaxis shock. Like you just don't want that to happen. Other than that, though, when it comes to your nutrition, the all or nothing mentality, I could not think of another way or a reason why that would be beneficial. I think we are all very, very structured and rigid and think that that's the key to success when it comes to our health. And it really just is not. I have not seen very many examples long term where having that all or nothing mentality is helpful. So let's dive into this a little bit. So that that rigid mindset, when you think about somebody dieting or you think about, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people who are macro counting and, and you know, um, in certain fitness industries and, and things like that, they, they will be very rigid on the number of carbs, the number of calories, the number of fat grams, the, number, the amount of protein that they're getting. They're very, very rigid. That is kind of another example of perfectionism. Right. So if you have that type A personality or if you have that perfectionist mindset, it's kind of considered like a perfectionist trap when 
when individuals adopt that all or nothing mentality, they often strive for perfection in their dietary choices or your fitness, but dietary choices. I also see this a lot with marathon runners or, or distance runners. Um, I fall into that trap sometimes too, when I'm like, oh, I didn't get my, you know, four miles in, you know, clearly I should just cancel my, <laughs> cancel my race, right? Like, no, of course not. Um, but this can lead to feelings of guilt and failure when inevitably you deviate from your strict rules. You know, rules, especially when it comes to your health, especially when it comes to your nutrition, as we've talked about before, you will eventually go off of your rules because the more strict the rules, the more inevitable you will fall away from because they're they're not designed for your life. They're not designed for the ins and outs and the ups and downs of your life. You have to have some flexibility when it comes to that. The pressure that you put on yourself to adhere to a flawless diet, which does not exist, can create an unhealthy relationship with food, causing anxiety, causing stress. And it can also lead, if not already, to disordered eating patterns. And I want a quick sidestep and talk about when I use the word, the use the phrase disordered eating, people automatically say, oh, well, I don't have an eating disorder. No, that's not the same. Eating disorder is a diagnosed condition. That's, that's your anorexia. That's your binge eating. That's your bulimia. That's, you know, your, um, those, those actually diagnosed in the psychology manual, uh, disorders, disordered eating. When you flip flop those words, disordered eating are patterns of eating that you do. It's not a full on diagnosed disordered eating disorder. It's disordered eating, meaning you're, the way you're eating is disordered. You know, so these might be people who like strictly count things or have certain rules around only having, you know, oranges on Tuesday or whatever. That is a more of a disordered eating behavior, not an eating disorder. I hope that's clear. So if you are like, well, shoot, that's me. You know, I love that structure. I love being, it's, it's that feeling of control that we all seek. Humans love to be in control. Even if you don't think you do, to some degree, you do because it's a survival mechanism. It's part of our survival. When we go back eons ago, when cave people were around, we had to have a sense of control in order to survive. If we if we didn't sense things or if we didn't control our environment, we wouldn't be alive as a species. It, we would have just died out long ago because all the you know bears and tigers and whatever was roaming around would have gotten us because we didn't have control over our environment. We didn't have a plan. We didn't have structure for what to do when things attacked our you know cave or whatever. So having that perfectionism trap that that way of thinking that everything has to be perfect i have to stick with these strict rules otherwise i fail how do we get out of that if you're like well that's me i don't i've been doing this for however many years and there's no way around that we have to start encouraging flexibility and self-compassion you, do, you really do when it comes to, I know I can't tell, I can't talk about any other area in your life when it comes to that, but I can sure talk to you about your nutrition when it comes to flexibility and having some self-compassion. Uh, and and I, I do work with people about, with this a lot when things kind of bubble up when it comes to their, their diet and their nutrition. Um, but instead of aiming for perfection, focus on making balanced choices most of the time. 
while you're allowing for that occasional, you know, indulgence, if you want, I hate that word, but you know, that occasional uh, treat or, you know, veering off the path, that's okay. Embrace that. Embrace that concept of progress, not perfection. And also celebrate the small victories along the way. If you're like, hey, I didn't beat myself up over having, you know, a, a extra bite of my kid's candy or whatever. Celebrate that. We need to start rewarding ourselves. We need to start normalizing that having an extra bite of this or that is not going to send you down a spiral into bad health or poor nutrition. It's not. It's okay to have some of those moments. Now, there's a big difference between me saying, oh, yeah, it's okay to have like a couple gummy bears versus I'm having gummy bears all day long. There's a difference. Obviously, we want to do what's most supportive for your body. But having a little bit of that wiggle room is going, you're going to be just fine. I promise you. Unless you're in some sort of, you know, bodybuilding bikini model type of setting, which we could go down the path of disordered eating all we want with that department. If, but if that's not your goal and you're just like, I'm just trying to, you know, be healthier and have more energy, you don't need to have that strict, strict, strict perfectionist trap, that all or nothing mindset. You really don't. I promise you, you will be so much more relaxed. So many more things will open up for you when you can have that relaxed mentality around what you're doing. Okay. So that's the second thing I want to talk about is that the cycle of restriction and binging. It's kind of related to that perfectionist trap, but that all or nothing thinking often manifests in cycles of extreme restriction followed by episodes of overindulgence or binge eating. And again, that ties back to that, that feeling of control. When we feel so in control and then something bumps us off our, our feeling of control, it's super easy to be like, well, shoot, you know, I already, I already had sugar today. I might as well have it for the rest of the week. You know, we, it sounds, it sounds silly when I say it, but we tell ourselves that sometimes it's actually known in the nutrition industry as the smash your phone mentality, because it's no different than saying when you say, well, shoot, I already had a little bit of sugar this morning. I might as well, you know, not have any vegetables and just only have sugar the rest of the day. That type of thinking is considered the smash your phone mentality. It's no different than if you were to drop your phone on the ground and be like, oh, I dropped my phone on the ground. I might as well smash it with my foot. Like it it makes no sense, right? So apply that to your thinking when it comes to your food also makes no sense. At any given moment, you can have a vegetable. At any given moment, just because you have a little bit of sugar or you celebrated a birthday and had some cake or whatever, the very next meal, you can you know have something more supportive and that's all right. It, it, you don't have to get into this long drawn out cycle of binging on sugar or binging on you know fill in the blank food item you're restricting. If you have that balance all along, you minimize the chances of being in one of those cycles. And, and that type of pattern can actually just wreak havoc on your metabolism and, and your digestion and your hormones and just your overall well-being. When we get into those binge and restriction and binge and restriction cycles, I mean, if I could show you people's lab work on who are in those and who have been in that cycle for years, it's, it's shocking. I mean, it's not shocking, but it is shocking to actually see it physically in numbers when when people who have been dieting and extremely restricting and then binging and then restricting, when they bring me their lab work, I'm like, yep, that's about right. That's what I was kind of expecting. You know, just as an example, you'll see 
their uh, inflammatory markers are high, their triglycerides might be high, their um, cortisols and their stress hormones are high and other things are low because of that being elevated. It's when you're putting that much stress in, in those cycles and patterns on your body, it shows up. Restrictive diets tend to be, you know, surprise, surprise, unstable in the long term, which can lead to feelings of being out of control or deprivation and and kind of increase those cravings for forbidden, if you want to call them that, foods. Eventually, it results in uncontrollable binging episodes. The more you restrict, the more at, at some point you will likely binge or give in or however you want to look at it. But that is just us being human. It's not you as a moral, you know, thing happening to you. It's, it's human behavior. So shifting that focus, kind of a solution to this or something to think about if you're recognizing some of these patterns, shift that focus from restriction to balance or moderation. Instead of viewing foods as off limits, Practice mindful eating and portion control. Allow yourself to enjoy a wide variety of food in moderation without labeling as good or bad. You know, no foods are good or bad. The only time I ever use bad to describe a food is if it is moldy and will likely cause you to get salmonella or some sort of foodborne illness, or if you are allergic. And and even then I'm like, how allergic are you? What are the symptoms? Do you just get a tickle in your throat and your tongue feels weird? Or do you like swell up and you can't breathe? Like there's a big difference. So, um, so not labeling foods as good or bad. I don't even like to label foods as good. I I really kind of cringe labeling them as healthy. I try to say more supportive or not supportive because that's what they are. Either a food will support you or it's going to not support you. I gave a presentation to a bunch of soccer players and I put a bunch of of different pictures of foods up on the, you know, the display. And one of them was gummy bears. And I said, are gummy bears a good or a bad food? And most of them were like, bad, they're so bad for you. The, The colors and the food dyes and the sugars and whatever. And I said, okay, well, what if, what if you are playing, you know, 90 minute soccer game in 100 degree heat and your blood sugar tanks and you're about to pass out because of low blood sugar? I was like, that would be one of the first things I I reach for to give you is some gummy bears because it's straight sugar. You'll absorb it quickly and it can help bring those unsafe glucose levels up to a safe level and, and bring glucose to your brain. Is it ideal every day, all day long? Of course not. But in that moment, it's a supportive food. So even in those examples of should we label all candy as bad? Of course not. If you're in a diabetic crisis, you're going to want a sip of soda. You're going to want a sip of, you want to, you know, have a candy or whatever, because that is going to be the most responsive thing in your body at that time. I'm not going to be seeking out like, oh, well, this has too much red dye number 40. Like, no, like you just need to be, you need to support that body in that moment. So again, labeling good or bad, not helpful. Looking for solutions on what's supportive and what's not supportive and having some, uh, having an open mindset around why things could be supportive to certain people That's what we want to go for. And let's talk about, too, the mental health impact of having an all-or-nothing mentality. The all-or-nothing mentality extends beyond just food choices and can kind of, you know, trickle into other areas of life, contributing to that perfectionism and that all-or-nothing approach, which can also be tied to self-worth. So 
I'm not going to go ahead and, and, you know, analyze your childhood or whatever, but figuring out for you, when did this all or nothing mentality start? Was it something that was modeled for you when you were younger? Did you have a parent or a, a sibling or an older cousin or somebody in your life that you deemed as perfect and they got all the attention and everyone was giving them accolades about how great and perfect and wonderful and all the things? Did that, was that something that you strived for as well? Was there diet culture, diet talk in your household as a young child? I cannot tell you how many adult, mostly women, but also some men, think back on this and realize how toxic of a diet environment they were in as a child. And not purposeful, not intentional, not, you know, in a in an evil way, their parents just didn't know any better. Their parents were so focused on their own perfectionism and their own, you know, thinness or dieting or whatever. They didn't think about how the kids are, are watching and hearing and listening to all of this as well. So if you're saying, or if your parents were saying absolutely no sugar, absolutely no artificial colors, absolutely no any of this in our house at all ever, that's going to, your kids are going to pick up on that. And when they inevitably do have sugar or colors or whatever, think about how they might reflect on that and think about what they might make that mean that they are, you know, going off the rules and, and not doing that. So some, some people might go off the deep end, if you will, for lack of a better phrase, and just go all in and have all the sugar because it was restricted for so long. Or some people might internalize that as I'm bad I'm not perfect, I need to do better, and all of these self-loathing thoughts. So just think about that if you are now an adult and you have children or, or small people in your world, think about the, the phrase and the, and the actions that you're doing. But also for yourself, if you are recognizing yourself as a perfectionist, think about where that came from. And are you, are you doing behaviors and are you creating actions and thoughts around something that wasn't yours to begin with? Are you creating your whole mindset around your diet, around something that was based on your your mom or your grandma or your aunt or your cousin's mindset around food? You know, leave that to them. That's theirs. You don't need to carry that with you. So constantly striving for perfection in one's, you know, diet or fitness can lead to feelings of inadequacy and self-criticism, negative self-talk, you know, that, that has a huge impact on your mental health and your overall quality of life. Because as you can imagine, negative self-talk doesn't just fit into a small little box that you can just tuck away. It bleeds into every area of your life. You can't just be like, oh, this negative self-talk is just safe for my nutrition. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm good everywhere else. No, like it bleeds into everything. So if that's the thing that is, you know, hemorrhaging out the, I'm sorry to get graphic, but if that's the thing that is really pumping and fueling that negativity in other areas of your life, then let's target that. Let's focus on that. Let's get rid of that negativity around your diet or your fitness and let's smooth it over and, and really focus and concentrate on that. That will really trickle into other areas of your life that you could feel more balanced and feel better and feel calmer around and not be so locked into that all or nothing mentality. So cultivating more of a balanced perspective. Balance is the the theme of the episode. 
because that is is ultimately what we're all shooting for, whether you know it or not. Some people think, I I got my balance, I'm balanced, I'm so restricted, I'm blah, blah, blah. That's not balance. That's you feeling in control, but that's not balance. Balance is allowing for other factors to influence things and other factors to come in and you navigating the ups and downs in a controlled way, right? That's different than than kind of taking that approach of you're just going to put a shield up and think that you're going to protect your diet from everything that life can throw at you. You might, you might knock off a few things, but you know, a few things that are thrown at you, but eventually that shield's going to break. It just is. So finding more of that balance, recognizing that food is just one aspect of a healthy lifestyle and does not define your worth as a person. I'm going to say it again. Your lifestyle, your healthy lifestyle, your food, your nutrition, your fitness does not define your worth as a person. Stop identifying yourself based on the actions you do in the gym. Don't identify yourself based on how quote unquote good or bad you eat or what you restrict in your diet. That's not your identity. That's not your personality. That's not who you are as a core person. That, those are just actions you do. Practice that self-care and, and some self-care activities. Those things can be so helpful to help cultivate a better mindset around food. So these would be things like um, activity or mindfulness that just brings you joy, not obligation to do an activity or I have to go out for a run because I ate 500 calories or whatever. Do an activity you enjoy. Dance around your house because it makes you feel young again. Or go out for a walk in nature and just listen to the birds. Whatever makes you feel joy. Don't even bring, I know, I know, I'm about to say something that you're going to get probably itchy about. Don't even bring your watch. <laughs> don't, don't bring your Apple watch. Don't bring your Garmin. Don't bring your GPS watch. Don't bring your fitness tracker. Do an activity just because it brings you joy, not for how many minutes you get credit for, or how many calories you burn, or how many steps you take. See if you can just implement one of those, you know, non-digital movement activities into your week and see how that, see how you do with that. Um, so seek support though from a therapist or a counselor if you really feel like perfectionism or negative self-talk is impacting your life hugely because... A lot of times the people I talk to, it's like, you know, it, it's not quite to a huge impactful level. But when I have seen it in people, I'm like, let's let's find you a, somebody to talk to that can dive a little bit deeper into this with you. Because I really think that that is going to be the thing that gets the ball rolling in all areas of your life. So... Um, oh, one, one other aspect too, I, I didn't want to make this episode too terribly long. And I feel like, you know, sometimes when I'm passionate about a topic, I tend to ramble and I go off in a million directions, but, um, the one other thing I wanted to bring up is how that all or nothing mentality and rigid dietary restrictions almost always leads to nutritional deficiencies in some way, because when we're eliminating entire food groups or specific nutrients or specific foods or whatever that, that you have set the rules around being unhealthy or bad, this can cause nutritional deficiencies because certain foods contain essential vitamins, minerals, macronutrients necessary for your health. And over time, different things can be depleted. So for example, the low carb era, which we're still unfortunately riding and people will fight me tooth and nail on how like, oh no, I need to eat extremely low carbs. No, you do not, but whatever. That's another topic. Um, but when you remove an entire 
macronutrient group such as that. Think about the foods that are higher in carbohydrates, certain vegetables, you know, things like sweet potatoes. And, you know, think about all the nutrients that you're missing out on when you eliminate a sweet potato. All that fiber, all that, all those vitamin A, all the potassiums, all, all of that. Yes, you can get that from other foods, but what other foods are you getting? And are you focused on getting those in, in, in your diet in another way? You know, whole grains, carbohydrates that are, um, you know, sources of whole grains that also contain a lot of B vitamins and a lot of uh, phytonutrients and plant-based things and all of that. If you're eliminating all that, it's not impossible that you can't get those nutrients from your diet in another way, but are you? Are you focused on that? Or are you simply focused on, hey, I only had 10 grams of carbs today. Yeah, how much B2 did you have? Like, you have to think about those things as well. So leading, you know, that all or nothing mentality, how that can lead to deficiencies, hopefully you can kind of see like that can easily lead to some deficiencies when you are either like, I'm either going to have some carbs or like all the carbs, which can cause imbalances and, and lead to, you know, negative things, or I'm going to have no carbs, which can lead to deficiencies and negative things. So if you can hopefully find the balance of what works for you with what your body needs, as far as carbohydrates, and the sources, the best sources for you to get them that are most beneficial for you instead of cutting out something completely. So adopting, again, that balance and varied variety approach to eating. Instead of demonizing specific foods or food groups, focus on incorporating a diverse array of nutrient-dense foods into your diet. The goal should never be how much can I get out of my diet. The goal should always be how much color can I fill my plate with? How much lean proteins? How much, you know, healthy fats can I get in? How many good sources of fiber and carbohydrates can I get in? And not how much can I restrict? I always say that the goal should be eating as much food as possible that supports your body with as minimum symptoms as possible. So for those who have to be kind of selective on different foods because of things like sensitivities or allergies, Yes, you might have to eliminate all dairy if you have a milk allergy, but what can we get by with that's still going to give you the maximum amount of nutrients, but the minimal amount of symptoms, okay? So, um, and you know, one other thing that just popped into my brain when it comes to all or nothing mentality is how socially isolating it can be. That all or nothing mentality can lead to social isolation and anxiety, surrounding food and food related events and gatherings. So, you know, when we approach the holidays, a lot of people have like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And some people just go for more of that all mentality when they're like, I can't avoid these gatherings. I'm just going to eat all the sweets, all the holiday foods, all the things. And others, I mean, it's harder to go the nothing mentality because you're around people and you're around your family. And of course, eventually it's going to be, or does it cause tension? Does it cause a, a poor quality of life? I had a couple of clients who were on a very strict self-given diet. And afterwards, after they kind of realized like this isn't working for me, they reflected back on how much of an impact it had on their marriage because they weren't going on date nights anymore. They were very restrictive on what they would have. And, and it caused some conflict in their marriage and in their family. Their family was on eggshells saying like, well, but we, can't we order pizza? Why can't we do that? And oh, because mom's on a diet. Oh, I can't. And then again, we trickle that into how is that going to impact the kids long term? So it can be that that fear of deviating away from your strict dietary rules can absolutely cause individuals to withdraw from social situations, you know, turn down girls night. You're not going to go to 
um, you know, happy hour with the coworkers. You're not going to go bond over, you know, pizza with the team or whatever. That has a huge impact on your, on your relationships and your overall quality of life. So again, practicing that flexibility and mindfulness in social settings is going to be important. And instead of avoiding social events or obsessing over food choices, focus on enjoying the moment, enjoying the company of others and the experience of sharing a meal together. You know, we all hear about the benefits of the Mediterranean diet. I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I talk about it all the time. The Mediterranean diet is not a diet. It's one of the the diets that is literally a lifestyle. It is an actual, you go to the Mediterranean Sea and all the countries along the Mediterranean Sea and you look at how they approach food. It's a social event every night. They're getting together with huge families, with neighbors, with friends. They're enjoying good quality foods that, yes, when you look at the types of foods, there are uh, healthier fats, they are whole grains, they are lean meats, they are minimal, you know, dairy, but they're lots of colors, lots of fresh foods. But it's the social aspect of it. They're enjoying a laugh together. They're sharing stories. It's a it's an event versus you know, fast forward to Americans and we're, you know, cramming a, a chicken nugget down a kid's throat and booting them out the door to soccer practice. Like it, there, it's a huge difference. So if you are isolating yourself because of fear of losing control or devi- deviating from your strict diet or having to explain yourself and why you chose to eat this way and you don't want to have to do that so you just avoid it, you're missing out on a huge part of your well-being and that's that social connection. So, um, all right, I think I've gone on long and I could, I could talk for another hour and a half on this topic. Um, it's really beneficial if you want to re-listen to this episode and hopefully you can take away some of the solutions and nuggets and, and apply them to your situation and think back on when did this develop when it comes to fitness real quick. Again, I know I can go on this topic forever, but I've talked to so many people, especially in the beginning phases of implementing a new exercise routine who will say, well, it's only 10 minutes. What's 10 minutes actually going to do? You know, it's not 30 minutes. It's not an hour at the gym or an hour run or an hour walk. So clearly it's not going to do anything. So I, I just might as well not do it. And I'll just try again tomorrow. It's like, no, that all or nothing mentality is what is going to prevent you from getting in a good fitness routine. To expect yourself to go from doing no activity to an hour overnight is probably not realistic for most people. To start implementing balance and a a mindset around every little bit helps, that is going to help you with a long-term success of your health. So for example, um, I have talked to so many people about, you know, their fitness routines. I am a personal trainer as well. I don't actively coach or train people in gyms anymore, but I still keep up with the certification because I love the fitness industry. But when it comes to people who are maybe traveling or things that a barrier to continuing your fitness, you know, whether you're a seasoned runner or a seasoned gym goer, or you're new to it. Let's just talk about the seasoned people who are already in a routine for a second. When something comes up and they're like, well, I can't, I can't get my run in today. So I might as well not do anything. Having a placeholder activity is equally as important if not more important, for the health of your fitness routine. And what I mean by that is you may be on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday running routine 
and say a Wednesday pops up where you can't get out for your run, instead of saying like, I might as well not do it. Why don't you go out for a 10 minute walk? Why don't you do, you know, five minutes of jumping jacks? Why don't you go up and down the stairs in your house 20 times or whatever? That's a placeholder. It still signals to your body that on Wednesdays, we, we get our heart rate up. We are doing something Wednesdays. Because what happens is if you don't do anything Tuesday and then you don't do anything Wednesday and then you don't do anything Thursday, it makes Friday super hard to get back into that groove, right? So it's a placeholder. Just think of it as a placeholder. It's something that will it help you to cross the finish line at a race doing, you know, 10 minutes of jumping jacks? Probably not. Will it help to signal your body that we still work out? We still are in a fitness routine. This is part of who we are. Absolutely. So there's, there's benefits to doing something and anything, even if it's small. It, there, it might not be the, the long-term benefit you are looking for, but it, there's benefits regardless. So same goes for people who are just beginning a exercise routine. When they hear about people going to the gym for an hour and, you know, hammering out all these like dumbbell curls and bench presses and, you know, get on the elliptical or stairmaster or whatever. If you're like, oh, well, God, I'm not there yet. Of course you're not. That's somebody's, that's somebody's finish line. You're at the start. You're at the beginning. So implementing 10 minutes of walking on the treadmill is getting the ball rolling. It's, it's where you begin. You don't start out a race at the finish line. You start at the start and you work your way to the finish line. So that 10 minutes helps to get your body in the groove. It, heart, it starts to get your heart rate up. It starts to get your muscles working in that manner. And it starts to signal to your brain, oh, this is safe for me. This is an activity that we're doing now that we're going to continue to do repetitively over and over again in a, in a you know, routine. And this is safe. When things don't feel safe, that's when our brains say, I'm not doing that. And then all the excuses start coming up. Oh, I can't. I didn't bring my shoes. Or, oh, I can't. It's raining or whatever. When you can start to signal to your body that it's safe, it will continue to do the thing. 10 minutes on a, on a Monday might lead to 15 minutes on a Wednesday. Might lead to 20 minutes on a Friday. Might lead to, hey, I, I did 20 minutes. Yeah, I can do more. And that... that you're building those little layers of confidence to signal to yourself that I am capable of doing exercise. And if you've ever started a, a fitness routine after years of not doing any activity, it's incredibly intimidating. Every single time after I had babies, every single time I had to start over with my running, I was super intimidated and I did not want to do it. But after, you know, a couple of weeks of doing small little bouts of activity, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do love this. I do feel amazing when I work out. I do like I like how I feel. It, it boosts your confidence slowly. So, again, is it a 15-pound weight loss just by doing 10 minutes of, you know, stair stepper? No. But you're building the confidence. You're, you're on your way there because you're, you're creating that routine and creating that mindset. So that all or nothing mentality when it comes to the gym and the gym setting is there as well. So we need to be mindful of that. And we need to, one, recognize that it's occurring. And two, start to think of the things, all the benefits of how doing 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever the amount is that you feel isn't adequate enough. Think of five benefits that you're going to get out of doing that activity. And then you will likely want to do it, right? Okay. So recap. All or nothing mentality. Most of us have it in some way in our day, in our life. When it comes to your nutrition and when it comes to your fitness, 
it is most likely the thing that could be preventing you from long-term health. So take a look and recognize the signs and figure out, you know, what you can do instead and figure out the way to implement more balance into your mindset when it comes to your nutrition, when it comes to your fitness. Hopefully some of the examples I gave today are helpful for you, but if you want to walk through some that are a little bit more personalized to you, I'm happy to do that. We can set up a a consultation or we can set up an initial session and we can walk through that for you because uh, it's one of those things that it, it sometimes take a while. It takes a while to chip away at those layers and layers and layers that we've built up over the years of that mindset around, I have to either do this all or it's not beneficial or I'm just not going to do anything. So, um, all right. If you have questions on that, feel free to reach out. Let me know too. Send me a DM or send me an email and let me know what resonated with you with this episode. I'd love to hear it and see like what actions are you going to take to change it? Because that is the most important thing. Simply hearing this information is doing you no good. (laughs) It might be bringing you awareness, but if you don't take action on what that awareness is and what that means for you, it doesn't matter. So what one thing are you going to do to help get yourself out of that all or nothing mentality and help apply more balance to your thinking when it comes to your food and when it comes to your activity? Let me know what you discover and I'd love to hear from you. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Food Factor Podcast. It is my personal mission to help people make the best food choices that they can for their particular situation. So if you found this episode helpful, I would be so grateful if you would share it with a friend or a family member or somebody who needs to hear this information and also leave me a review. Those are the things that help get this podcast seen and heard by more people who could use the help as well. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening.